You're listening to a sermon by Covenant Church. So this week I called an audible. You know, calling an audible is so when the quarterback looks at the situation, says we're going to call a different play. Since forty thousand people just joined the church, and this sermon's going to be a little bit uh, shorter. Instead of trying to do gain some more ground in the series on sexuality, we'll end that series next week. I thought about. Uh, a different text that would challenge us the what kind of relationships we have as a church that would be appropriate for a membership entrance Sunday when we're saying we believe we're in this together as a community of Jesus. And this is actually a sermon I preached here the first time I ever came here, the same text. My first visit to coming to church, my first, uh, you were looking for a pastor Bruce Finn asked me if I'd be willing to fill in. And in September of 2021, I came to Covenant Church for the first time and preached on this text. And it's a text that'll stir us up about how we treat each other, what kind of relationships we have with each other. So um, let me just do this, read this stat as an intro. In 2018, the health insurer Signet took a nationwide survey of 20,000 adults. And this survey has become famous because 54% of the respondents said that they were always, they always or sometimes felt like no one actually knows them well. So think about that. Over half the people, no one knows me well. I feel alone in the world. Think about what that would be like. 56% of the people, said the people they surround themselves with are not necessarily with them. Um, around people, but it's not like they know my interior thought life or like we really know each other. Here are some other things. I quote, lack companionship, 40%. Quote, relationships aren't very meaningful. They felt isolated from others. And the stats get worse the younger the generations. So generation Z is worse. Why is a health insurance company doing this kind of survey? Because loneliness is really bad for you. Do you know that? Um, loneliness, living alone, and having poor social, social connections, it's as bad statistically for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. The God who calls us to, to himself in Jesus, and the God who saves us in Jesus, actually connects us to a church. It connects us to a people. We had someone say in the video, hey, I can't do this alone. I've had people speak words of comfort, love, hope over me and for me. Hey, friends, that's what it's all about. We can't do this alone. Bob Myers, who was the pastor of this church for 18 years, said in a really catchy, memorable way, we're trying to build community in order to reach a community. We're trying to build community here in Jesus to actually bless the world in our community. We're trying to build community, to reach a community, so that together we enjoy and share the freedom of Jesus. So like God's, God's love and the freedom we have in Jesus and the joy in Jesus, the forgiveness in Jesus, we experience that together. So I'm going to read this passage. This is the Apostle Paul who's writing in a church where he has a lot of friends, and he's not there, he's writing them. Listen to this passage and notice what this passage says about the kind of relationships that they have. Here we go. Romans 16, 
I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Centria. You may welcome her in the Lord and way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many, myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Impiatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, my beloved Stachys. Greet Apellus, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. This is God's word. All right. So here's what we're going to talk about. What do we notice about the relationships? What do we notice about this picture of gospel community? Maybe you notice the names have changed a little bit. You just got some names, you know, some name ideas. If you don't want your son to be Michael M. in kindergarten, you can name him Asyncritus or Phlegon, Narius, Rufus. You know, you, you can, I'll, I'm trying to serve you here. I'm trying to help you out. All right. What can we notice about this picture of gospel community? Notice the thanksgiving and honor. You just thank honoring people all over the place. The first person is a woman leader who's, she, you can tell she's legendary. She might be carrying the book of Romans. She might be the messenger. Look at what he says. I commend you, our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church, Centria. The Greek word is diaconus. It's deacon, uh, feminine, diakonoi. Uh, she's a servant of the church at Centria that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints. Don't mess up in your hospitality. Welcome her. Yeah, treat her right, would you guys? And help her in whatever way she may need, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. It means she has helped many. She's helped many. And he greets a married couple, Prisca and Aquila. They risked their necks for me, verse 3, Romans 16, verse 3. So he's saying, they risked their lives for me. Think about the weight of what he's saying. He's like, I'm thankful for them, but actually all the Gentile churches are really thankful for them. He's reading this publicly that they'll be honored and thanked by the whole church. He acknowledges people in the different ways that they have been a blessing. He names men and women friends men and women leaders. Verse 6, greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Verse 7, greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners. 
They are well known to the apostles. They were in Christ before me. So they're fellow workers, and they're also, he's trying to honor them. They've served the Lord in costly ways. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, my beloved Stachys. Epinetus is the first convert to Christ in Asia. Think about that. First Christian, where? In Asia. And he's just trying hard to think of the, some of the cool things he could say about these folks to honor them, thank, thank them. They practice honor. He's basically saying, I want to recognize you, appreciate you, recognize what you do. You know, there's only one way we're called in the New Testament to try to outdo one another. Romans 12. Love one another with brotherly affection, with family affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. It's the only way to try to outdo one another. Oh, you're trying to honor me? No, I want to honor you. Um, there's something about a community that's celebrating someone. Um, we're going to get to watch the Olympics again this coming summer. One of the trends in watching the Olympics, a cool thing that they do now, now when the Olympics finally come, you get to watch someone's family watching uh, the athlete. You get to watch someone's like hometown watch like, I'm thinking of the last Summer Olympics shot putter, Ryan Krauser. You get to watch his community celebrate him. And there's something about uh, a community celebrating someone that the church is supposed to embody. So like Covenant, how can we be a community where leaders are recognized, where people who serve and show up are just appreciated? It's just like basic things. It's like... Something that's a Southern thing, I'm the biggest Yankee in the world, but something that's a Southern thing that I like to, I want to steal this one, saying, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Hey, when's the last time you thank the host of your community group? You can bail on a Tuesday night. Sometimes you do. They can. And they show up, they're welcoming people in your home. Or just someone who's like faithfully prays for everyone and says like, look, you mentioned this last week or two weeks ago when we prayed for this. How's that going? Let's look to honor each other. Let's be a community of thanksgiving and honor. Second thing, notice the warmth. Notice the warmth. What's, without looking back on it, what's Paul's favorite thing to say? Beloved. I wish that was still a thing. It means you're deeply loved. You're deeply loved. Beloved, my beloved Epinetus. Think of what he's saying. My, my brother. Greet Impietus, my beloved in the Lord. He's saying someone's name and saying, I love them in Jesus. I want to encourage you, covenant you're an encouraging church for another pastor to visit. Did you know this? T.J. Freeman, the guy who spoke here at the end of August, was just super encouraged by being here. And you uh, caught something of my friendship with him and his appreciation for me. You just deeply blessed him and encouraged him. I'm going to tell you about this later. Their churches are praying for us this morning. But this is how we're supposed to speak to each other. My beloved, my beloved, 
I love you shouldn't be a word. In the West, we only think of that in the romantic sense, but this is a basic Christian thing to have actions of love to, towards each other, but words, words of love, family-like language. Um, there's a book that I love to quote called Love, but The Overflowing of Friendship. Love Between Men and the Creation of the American Republic. It's written by a historian named Richard Godbeer in 2009. And it talks about what male friendship was like at the time of the American Revolution. And it helped us win the war. Here's why. It's, they use the language of band of brothers. Before that was a Showtime show. And the culture of friendship so the, the British had soldiers that were hired guns. And the Hessians are like, this is even like their empire. They were literally just hired soldiers. We had guys who were friends. And the language, uh, the historian says at the beginning, when I quote their letters of men speaking to each other, you're going to think there's, they're gay. You're going to think different things are going on. That's just us imposing our time period on them they were just friends. And we, we think in male friendships, men struggle to articulate affection to each other verbally. That's not these guys. College guys wrote poems to each other about their friendship, like college guys do. But heaven decreed it, let me not repine. I go, but George, my heart is knit with thine. One college guy who's going to miss his friend that when they break, college is going to be a break. He's like, I miss you. Normal thing to do. I wrote you a poem because we're friends. Covenant, can we be challenged and stirred up to be a warm church? To be a warm church, to use the language of affection and like to like, uh, to lean in and actually say, hey, I would really want to help you if uh, you were going through something. I want to encourage you to, uh, my wife and I have really felt welcomed by you in the last year and a half, really felt prayed for and cared for and encouraged. I just want to know, uh, to us, you've really done that well. And it's it's like uh, when you have good health insurance, you want other people to experience that. I want other people to experience the appreciation, words of thanksgiving, just here that we have. Covenant, let's imitate Jesus and grow in being a warm church. Third thing, notice the intentional welcome and greeting. Okay, greetings are so important. He takes a chapter, going to be read publicly, and he just expects, can you imagine me doing this? Hey, I'm going to read this letter, and all of you are just going to have to listen to me give these shout-outs. He practices welcome. He instructs them to warmly greet each other, greet one another with a holy kiss. So it's affection. He's actually do appropriate, warm, physical affection. It's, abs- it's absolutely pure. It's not weird. In our cultural context, that's usually like a warm hug, a kind, not weird, warm hug. 
It's absolutely pure and it's absolutely important. And they're publicly instructed to do this. He said, hey, warmly greet each other. When you say hello, make it a thing. When you say hello and goodbye, actually make it a thing. Greetings and goodbyes are important. You know why? Because people are important. Greetings and goodbyes are important because people are important. Aloofness, aloofness isn't cool. Stoic detachment isn't cool. Saying, oh, I'm just not one who can express things with words. Not cool. Actually work on that. And Paul's on the receiving end of this. Okay, so at the end of Acts, he's coming to Rome. And Luke, who wrote Acts, says people came as far as the Forum of Appius. When the brothers there, when they heard about us coming to Rome, Paul's under guard. He's going to be on trial for his life. They came as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. Now, why does he know that they came to the Forum of Appius and three taverns? Because it was far. Because it was like, wow, look what they did. They came to these places. The Forum of Appius was 40 miles away from Rome. The three taverns was 12. And then they just traveled back with Paul back to Rome. What effect did this have on Paul? What effect did it have on him? Luke records, on seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. Just their presence. Who could you give the gift of your presence? Maybe it's someone who's grieving. You don't know what to say. Maybe there's no words. Maybe the right thing to do is just to say, I'm so sorry, and sit. Would that be okay if I just was with you for a while? Look at some pictures. I remember a mom goes like, grieving people, life goes on for everybody else. And months after the funeral, years, you need people to talk to. You need people to like process with. Remember one mom saying the gift it was to have another mom sit with her and look at pictures and remember it grieved. Who could you give the gift of presence to? Who could you warmly greet? Here's a, okay, here's an easy one. Here's a hot tip. You know what's something that should be weird to say every Sunday? And in every Sunday, this is going to happen in somewhere in the room. Here's the hot tip. This is actually a kindness. Could you tell me your name again? You sat, maybe you sit in the same section and you met each other once and you're going to be like, well, I can't talk to them now because I don't remember their name. And I met them like seven weeks ago. Just ask them again. They probably don't remember yours either. or Maybe they do. Let's just not make it a big deal. It's just like, that's actually kind to be like, hey, I don't know your name. I, hey, could you do me, could you, would you do me a favor? You're asking for a favor. Humble yourself, ask for a favor. Would you do me a favor? Tell me your name again. Um, he works hard to remember names. You can tell the Apostle Paul. He's not always successful because he names that one guy and he says, and his sister. He didn't remember the sister's name, but he had, she had a sister and a sister. And she's at least noticed that way. Um, there's family-like relationships. Hey, that one guy, Rufus, and his mother has been a mother to me as well. Maybe she did hospitality. Maybe that's an older woman that hugged him. And he's like, she's like a mom to me. 
She's been a mom to me too. Maybe he stayed at their house. Family-like relationships, warmth, honor. Greetings are important because people are important. And I just want to stir us up to take the first move. A lot of times at churches, talking about community is being at the, it's like being at a junior high dance. The junior high dance, everyone wants to be out on the dance floor, fantasizing about what could happen, but we're all ma- waiting for someone else to take, make the first move. We're all, all waiting for someone else to get the party going. All right. And, uh, we need people who just like step out in faith and like ask someone to hang out, ask to, for a way to spend time together. Say, hey, could we ever like have a meal together? Get connected to a group. Uh, ask about someone's life because people are important. Fourth thing to notice, notice that the churches are deeply connected with other churches. He says, all the churches of Christ greet you. So these are churches who through leaders are greeting each other. Their leaders are in relationship. So you can say, this church cares about you. A couple weeks ago, we prayed for TJ Freeman, really blessed him. This, this guy replanted a church, basically, and then was a guy he trained for years, planted the next town over in Mansfield. And I had us all pray at the same time. And driving away from Covenant that morning, he's like, I'm going to do that now. And how I was prayed for, we're going to do that. Two people, one from Christ Church in Wellsboro and one from Christ Church in Mansfield, contacted me this weekend and said, hey, our church is praying for coming to church this weekend. How can we pray for you? And then encouraging. So we've been prayed for this morning by these other churches. I told them uh, that we would grow in our relationships. I told them that uh, how many people were joining the church, pray for those folks. Pray that we live out being a community together. There are other churches who are open to do ministry with us that are praying for us this morning. That's really encouraging. And it's going to be key for our vision in the future. The call of the gospel is so big. Hey, churches should help each other. Churches should serve the poor. Uh, Actually helps to have interconnected leaders that lead the churches together doing awesome stuff. Churches need each other's help to raise up men and women who do ministry. We need each other's help. Notice that these churches are a deep relationship with each other. Fifth thing, okay, notice that gospel community and unity, it's something to guard, okay? It's something to guard. Listen to the next verse, verse 17. I appeal to you, brothers. It's actually brothers and sisters. It's used... Adelphoi, it's where we get the name Philadelphia, means brotherly, but it's also used in family context to refer to men and women siblings together. So he's appealing to the whole church and he's just been greeting both men and women. I wish that the ESV would translate it brothers and sisters because we miss that in English, but this is what it is. I appeal to you brothers to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. 
for your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Just this flat out, watch out for those who cause division. There's going to be some false teachers and some bad teaching. Uh, he's like, it's probably, it's going to be easy for some people to get messed up. They have to guard unity. Now, we took a vow about this today, and I noted the old English language of guard the peace and purity of the church. It, it's the language in the membership vow is study the peace and purity of the church. It doesn't mean to just like read books about it. Study it means to be dedicated to it. Hey, I want to help us in a polarized world have unity in Jesus, although we're not the same. You never hear me uh, predict the future. Can I just predict the future a little bit? I think you're going to agree with me. Hey, in 2024, it's going to be a divisive and crazy election. Do you think that's probably going to happen? Our country is already deeply polarized. Uh, I'm not saying don't disagree. I'm not saying don't talk about politics. It's actually okay to say, hey, I love Jesus and I love you and this is why I'm not going to vote like you did or why I think that's actually not a good idea. Can we agree that probably with very imp- with deeply imperfect parties and imperfect candidates, we're going to disagree sometimes about what the right thing to do is? Uh, so I'm not saying don't disagree. It's okay to disagree. Maybe it'll be sanctifying. Maybe you can help each other grow in wisdom. One of the effects of social media, just people don't talk about stuff. You can actually become wiser by talking to people who disagree with you and you dialogue, be patient. In Ephesians 4, I just kind of want to prepare us for this and prepare us for this year a little bit. The Apostle Paul is speaking to a church from various different backgrounds. He just talked about Jesus for three chapters And he's going to talk now about living this out. And he says, I urge you as a prisoner for the Lord to walk in a manner worthy of the calling you receive. Your calling as a Christian. What's your calling? Well, walk with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There's lots of things that we disagree about, about priorities, about things that we pray about. We're from different Christian backgrounds or no Christian background, different families. Let me tell you something about yourself that in your humbler moments you'll admit is true. You say weird stuff sometimes. So do I. I need people to bear with me, forgive me. You sometimes blow it. You sometimes mess up, sin. We need to bear with each other, guard unity. Gospel unity is something to guard. The Roman church had to do this too. They even had different rules about what was what a believer in Jesus could eat. Some of the Jews were like, this is the stuff we eat. Gentiles, we don't eat those things. The apostle Paul, for the sake of unity, says in Romans 14, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Amen. Let's not judge each other. Let's fight for unity this year. This is going to be really important. 
it would actually, I think it glorifies God more to have uh, a diverse kind of congregation. And we're, this church is a fascinating mix of Christian backgrounds, people who are completely new to faith. It actually glorifies God if like what holds us together isn't that we don't always agree about all the same stuff, and especially politically, but we do want to stack hands together on living for Jesus and community together. That actually glorifies God. Amen? Sixth thing. Notice this community Polaroid includes both very public leaders and also people without, quote, worldly importance. Uh, includes some people who'd be on the cover of magazines and other people uh, that would not probably happen. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsman. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. And Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cordus greets you. Timothy is a public leader in the church. Erastus is a public leader in the city, city treasurer. Gaius hosts the church. Paul can switch back and forth. He's not doing important people first. He's like, in one breath, it's uh, Erastus, the public leader in the city, treasurer of the city. And then, in the very next words, it's a servant. It's a slave. Tertius means third. Cortus means fourth. Slaves with low uh, social standing would sometimes have names that were numbered, just numbers. So third. Tertius also gives his own shout-out, which Paul uh, lets him do. When the mayor of a city is dictating a letter, you don't see, and I, the secretary, who am typing this, also send you my greetings. But we do hear, I, third, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. What's Cortus, his little brother, called? Our brother. In the Church of Jesus, it's not how impressive or how rich or how physically beautiful or the other worldly markers. We're family together in Jesus. We're brothers and sisters. That's the thing. Uh, this is hard to live out. Amen. And yet, you know what I want to encourage us in? The gospel of Jesus strengthens us for these things. Jesus himself strengthens us for the things that God calls us to. Look at this next passage. This is how the whole book ends. The gospel strengthens us for the things that God calls us to pursue. Let's go ahead and bring up the last passage, Romans 16. All right, uh, here we go. Remember the gospel strengthens us for the very things Jesus calls us to pursue. Maybe you're overwhelmed, but hear this. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel, the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. So this is a praise this is a praise. This is a blessing. He's worshiping as he's saying this. Would God be glorified forever? Would Jesus get all the glory? But be reminded of this. There's a him. There is a personal God who himself is in community who can strengthen us 
to go deeper as a community. The gospel, because we're loved in Jesus, because we're forgiven in Jesus, we can forgive other people in Jesus. Uh, because God is so reached out to us, we can reach out to others. We can come to him when we blow it. We're loved, forgiven, chosen, named, honored. Let's live that out with each other. Let's pass that on to each other. Let's pray. We're going to come to a community meal. We're going to come to uh, the table of Jesus and be strengthened in Jesus to live for him. Jesus gives us sacraments, baptism in the Lord's Supper. We don't just hear the words. We get to taste it. We get to experience it. Can I pray for us? Let's pray that we grow in these things. Uh, Lord, who who can do this perfectly? We just admit we can't. We uh, it, that the ways our world shapes us to think about friendship are different. The ways the world shapes us think about how to spend our time it's often not healthy. Lord, grow us in being a church community together, and being loving, honoring, warm, encouraging inclusive of all different kinds of folks. Help us to fight uh, for unity this year. And Lord, strengthen us in these things with the gospel of your son, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Feel free to connect with us on our website at covenantsdoyalstown.org to watch live on Sunday mornings. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook. 